welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. If I have not met you yet, man, I was just worshiping my heart out. I might not have a voice for the message today. If I have not met you yet, my name is Melissa, as TJ said. We are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church. And if this is your first time, we want to say a special welcome, but we also want to kind of catch you up because we are in the very last week of our sermon series called Family Matters. Family Matters. We've been going through this series on our Soul Revival Culture Code. Why do we have a Soul Revival Culture Code? Well, because we firmly believe that culture is either what you create or what you allow. And so as a church family, we have been committed and committing to create a culture here at Soul Revival Church based on God's word. We believe that God has something to say about the things that we value and the things that we live out as a church family. Now, at my house, we have three boys, 10, 8, and 6. And when Matthew, my oldest, was about two years old and his brother came along, we realized very quickly, like, we need to get a God vision for this family. We want to be on the same page as far as, like, how are we going to raise our children up in the Lord? So one of the things that we did was we sat down and we asked the Lord, what are the values for our family? What do we want our family to look like? What do you want our family to look like? So if you've ever been to our house, maybe you've noticed it or not, but right by our dining room table, there's a canvas that says, in this family, we. In this family, we. Some of the things that are on there, we pray often. In this family, we love one another. In this family, we work hard. Work is a gift from God. And we believe that everything we do, we work as unto the Lord. In this family, we forgive quickly. In this family, we tell the truth. You ask any one of my boys, who are we in this family? And they're going to tell you what? We're truth tellers. It's ingrained in us because this is the culture that we believe that God is calling us to create. And how many know that when you have young children, that's probably the one that you have to press into the most. They have a way of stretching the truth. In this family, we count our blessings. In this family, we honor one another. And the list goes on. And there's scripture attached to every single one of them. Because we believe it's important that as a family, We have a common unified vision that we can hold each other accountable, that we can encourage one another, that we can point each other to Jesus through the way that we live. In this family, we. So in this family, we have a culture code as Soul Revival Church. And we've talked about five or four so far, and today is the fifth. We've talked about week one, in this family, We get to do this. We get to do this. What does that mean? That it is a joy to serve the Lord. It is a joy and a privilege to lay down our lives and to build his kingdom above ours. In this family, we pursue excellence. What does that mean? That we strive to be perfect? No, not at all. We need Jesus. We need his grace, right? No, we believe that everything we do, we do as unto the Lord. 
and God deserves our very best. So in this family, we pursue excellence. We serve and honor God to the best of our ability. In this family, we are team players. We are one family, one body in Christ with many parts. And we have to recognize that every single part matters. That there is a role and a part for everyone in the body of Christ to play. That God has given gifts and talents and resources. And if we want to see the body of Christ built up the way that he's called us to, then we all have to be contributors to the vision that God has given us. The last week we talked about we are honoring. In this family, we are honoring. We're honoring of God and we're honoring of one another. As far as it depends on us, we strive to live in peace and in unity with one another. Why? Because God has called us to that. He's called us as a church family to build each other up and not tear each other down. To encourage one another in our faith. So in this family, we're honoring. In this family, today we're going to be talking about we grow to go. We grow to go. And I want to have it up on the screen so you can read along with me this culture code that we have here at Soul Revival. We grow to go. We are lifelong learners of Jesus and his word. In humility, we choose to grow and learn together so that we can be equipped to go out into our realms of influence and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with the world. As we grow in Christ, so does our impact for the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your word that leads us and guides us and teaches us and edifies us. God, I pray that you would speak this morning to every one of our hearts, that we would have a softened heart ready to receive a word from you. And God, I pray that I would get out of the way of what your Holy Spirit wants to do right now in this moment as we lean in and we're ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking at what God's desire is for his church and how we can be the church that God has actually called us to be. One of God's goals, and I don't know if you know this or not, but God has goals for our life. One of his goals for every single believer is to become spiritually mature. And he has created his church so that we can grow. It's another resource and a tool that he has designed to help the body of Christ grow up into him. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be up on the screen for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. His purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ until 
we all reach the unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son. Until we all reach the unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son. Now, let me just tell you something. That's not attainable this side of heaven. That's not attainable this side of heaven. But he's saying that we have a work to do. And that he's equipping his church to be built up. And so that's our job every single day. To be built up in Christ until the day that he calls us home. God's goal for us, or is for us, to become mature adults. To be fully grown. Measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. Measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. That means that we are not measuring ourselves to our parents' faith or what they say we should do with our life. We're not measuring ourselves to our neighbor and trying to build ourselves up and say, well, at least I'm not like that. We're not measuring ourselves to the world and the world's standards. No, in Christ, we are measuring ourselves to the standard that Christ has set for us. He came and he lived a perfect life. He gave us an example of what it is to live holy and set apart, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to measure ourselves to Christ, I'm going to guarantee you that there will always be room to grow. There will always be something to learn. There will always be something in our life and in our heart that God wants to change and to transform if we're measuring ourselves against Jesus and nothing else. It says, as a result, as we become mature adults in Christ, as a result, we aren't supposed to be infants anymore. We're not supposed to be like immature children anymore, tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching that comes with deceitful scheming and tricks people play deliberately to mislead others. That means that we don't look at what somebody posts or what the news outlet says and try to figure out, okay, what do I believe? Where are my values? Who am I in Christ? No, we measure ourselves up to Jesus. And when something comes our way that we are questioning, we don't go to any other place but him to say, who are you in this? Where is your truth in this? We're not supposed to be tossed back and forth, unsure of what is true, because we know the one true God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Instead, moving on, by speaking the truth with love, let's grow in every way into Christ, who is the head. The whole body grows from him as it is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. The body makes itself grow in that it builds itself up with love as each one does its part. Spiritual maturity is God's goal for every believer. He wants to grow us up. 
He wants us to stand firm in our faith and know what we believe and live out what we believe. But spiritual maturity doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Spiritual maturity is not measured by how old you are. It's not measured by how many years you have chosen to follow Jesus. And it's not measured by the amount of knowledge that you have about the word or about God. Spiritual maturity is measured by the amount of fruit being produced in someone's life. Spiritual maturity is measured by the amount of fruit being produced in someone's life. We grow when we choose to grow into Christ. That means becoming more and more like him. And then the fruit that is seen from our life is the fruit of the spirit and not the fruit of our flesh. I want to go to Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. Galatians 5, 16 says, I say be guided by the spirit and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the spirit, and the spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other. So you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. Some of us need to hear that today. We shouldn't just do whatever we want to do, right? If we're living by the spirit. But if you are being led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are being produced by selfish motives, basically the fruit that comes from following the flesh instead of the spirit, are obvious since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption. This is where it's going to get quiet. Moral corruption, doing whatever feels good. Idolatry. Idolatry is not like we make some golden calf and we try to worship it. Idolatry is anything in your life and in your heart that you set above God, that you place and prioritize above him and his will for your life. That's the struggle with idolatry in our culture today. Drug use and casting spells. Hate. Fighting. Obsession. Losing your temper. Competitive opposition. Sorry, babe. <laughs> Conflict. Selfishness. Group rivalry. Jealousy. Drunkenness. Partying. And other things like that. As if there was a whole lot more, but he's not going to go into it. I think he listed a good amount of things. I warn you, as I've already warned you, that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. You're going to miss out on living in the kingdom of God here and now and getting to taste and experience his goodness and his perfect plans for your life. But the fruit of the Spirit, spiritual maturity looks like this. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with all of its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. What is this saying? What you feed will be what grows. What you feed in your life every single day is what will grow, the fruit that will be produced. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will what? You'll grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that draws us closer and closer still. If we feed our own sinful nature, that will be the fruit that our lives produce. But if we crave spiritual nourishment, if we choose to feed and to grow a life by the Spirit of God, we will grow into a full experience of salvation. We will grow mature in Christ. And in turn, we get to experience more and more of him. We get to be a part of the things that he's doing in his kingdom in this world. I think John the Baptist sums it up best. John 3.30. John says, he must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. He must become greater, and I must become less. A spiritually mature person reflects more of Jesus than oneself. He must become greater, and I must become less. Spiritual maturity, it doesn't come naturally with age. It doesn't come naturally with the amount of years that you've been following Jesus. No, spiritual maturity doesn't come with a wealth of knowledge, acquiring more and more knowledge of God's word or the, who he is. Spiritual maturity comes from applying his word to our life. It's knowledge plus application that equals transformation. We say that a lot here. Knowledge Plus application is what equals transformation. We don't have to just know his word, but we have to apply his word to our lives and let it transform us from the inside out. See, we're called to be disciples, and we've also been called to go and make disciples. So I want to look at that word disciple and just make sure we're all on the same page. What is a disciple? Of Jesus. A disciple is a follower, one who applies what is learned. It's not enough to just say, I believe. It's not enough to just say, I'm following him. A true disciple is one who applies what they're learning. 
So we're a follower of Jesus. We're learning from him and then we're applying it to our lives. Knowledge plus application equals transformation. Jesus often preached and taught in parables. He was the greatest storyteller, the greatest teacher, the greatest preacher there ever was. And he would often use parables because he was speaking to the environment and the culture that people would understand around him. And he would do it in such a way that the people who were ready to hear and follow him were the ones who would understand what it was that he was speaking to about the kingdom of God. And so we're going to look at a parable today from Luke. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4. When a great crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from one city after another, he spoke to them in a parable. A farmer went out to scatter his seed. As he was scattering it, some fell on the path where it was crushed, and the birds came, and the birds in the sky came and ate it. Other seed fell on rock, and as it grew, it dried up because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorny plants, and the thorns grew with the plants and choked them. Still, other seed landed on good soil, and when it grew, it produced 100 times more grain than was scattered. As he said this, he called out, everyone who has ears should pay attention. And his disciples asked him what this parable meant. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I get ready to close, but we're going to, fi- we're going to find out what did he mean. And this is what Jesus answered to his disciples. We're leaning in much like we are this morning. He said, this parable means this. The seed is God's word. The seed on the path are those who hear. But then the devil comes and steals the word from their hearts so that they won't be believed and they won't say they won't believe and they won't be saved the seed on the rock are those who receive the word joyfully when they hear it but they have no root they believe for a while but they fall away when they are tempted as for the seed that fell among thorny plants and when i read this i thought man isn't that our culture today Listen to this. Those are the ones who, as they go about their lives, are choked by the concerns, the worries, the riches, and the pleasures of life, and their fruit never matures. But the seed that fell on good soil are those who hear the word. And get this, they hear the word and commit themselves to it. They commit themselves to the word of God with a good and upright heart. And through their resolve, they bear fruit. Through their resolve, it's a decision to stand our ground, to choose to apply what we're learning so that we would grow up into the likeness of Jesus. The seed is the word of God. 
That's the time that you spend reading his word, listening to his word being taught, praying and seeking him as the word, the living God, every single day. Every single day. One of the things that we tell our people that go through growth track is when you read the word, there's a SOAP method. It's a journaling method, and it starts with scripture. It's an acronym, SOAP. Scripture goes to observation. And this is where we ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we're reading the word of God and say, God, what are you saying here? What are the things that you want me to see and take from your word? A is for application. And this is when we ask the question, God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do about it? And P is for prayer. Inviting the Holy Spirit in to do the work of transformation in our hearts. We can't just read the word to know the word. We have to allow the word of God to read our hearts, to transform us from the inside out. The good soil is a humble and teachable heart, eager to apply what we're learning. Remember, we grow to go. To go, that's a very important piece of it. This is why it's so important for us to grow because Jesus is sending us out into the world to represent him. And unless we grow up into him and into his likeness, we will never be able to accurately represent who Jesus is to the world around us. We won't be able to fill, fulfill the commission that he has given us. He has commissioned every single believer. In Matthew 28, 19, he said, go into the world and make disciples. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. You're not doing it alone. I am with you always even till the end of the age. We are called to be disciples of Jesus, ones who follow him and apply what we're learning, who make other disciples of Jesus. And how will he know, based on our life, that we are truly his disciple? John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you remain faithful to my teachings, that's how we know if we're truly disciples of Jesus. That's how he knows when he looks at our life. If we're truly disciples of Jesus, are we growing up into his likeness? more of him and less of us. Ah, but the world will know. The world will know that you are his disciples by your love. John 13, 34 says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus. He said, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are truly my disciples. 
If we remain faithful to his teaching, that's proof to him that we are his disciples. But if we live in his love, if we're a reflection of his love to the world around us, the world will know that we follow Jesus. The world will know who Jesus is by the way that we live out our love for others. So we need to resolve, and I love that word. It's so much more firm than just a decision. We need to resolve in our spirit to be followers of Jesus who live by the spirit of God and not by our flesh. Remaining faithful to apply his teachings to our lives and living out his love, bearing his fruit to the world around us so that when we go into the world to make disciples, when we go into our realms of influence, into our school, into our workplace, into our family, wherever we go, social media, the platforms that God gives us, if we choose to grow into Christ and into his likeness, then when we go, we're not giving the world more of ourselves. We're not giving the world more of our opinions or our criticisms or our judgments or our sinful nature. No, we're giving them Jesus. We're giving them Jesus. Our lives will be a reflection of who Jesus is and how Jesus loves and what Jesus teaches us. Because let me tell you something, the world doesn't need more of itself. The world needs Jesus. And God is calling us up and he's asking us, Soul Revival Church, would you be a church that chooses to remain faithful to my teaching? Would you be a church that chooses to grow up in me so that when people see you, they see me and I get the glory? So that when people see you, they encounter my love. So that when people see you, they get to come close to me. And this is what we're called to be. Our lives are meant to be a reflection of Jesus. Think back to the whole entire reason why you were called to Jesus in the first place. Was it his condemnation? Was it his judgment of you? Was it his bashing you over the head with the word? No, it was his love. It was his love. And so he's calling us to show that same love to the world around us so that they can come close to him. More of Jesus, less of us. We grow to go and to build his kingdom. And we believe with all of our heart that Jesus loves us so much, he meets us right where we're at, but we better not forget that last part, that he loves us way too much to leave us there. He's calling us up every single day to look more like him, to love more like him, to serve more like him. Jesus changes everything. He can change everything. I believe that no matter what it is you're facing, 
no matter what it is your past looks like, Jesus has the power to transform lives. He changes our hearts. He changes our lives. He changes the fruit that we produce. He changes our future for all of eternity. And we never end a service without giving an invitation to someone in this room to know Jesus and to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus is coming after our hearts and not in a condemning way, but he's pursuing a relationship with every single one of us. And I believe that you're not here by accident. Maybe someone invited you today. And I just want to give you this invitation this morning. And I want to make it a safe place for you. So if you would, everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. I believe that God has already been at work in our hearts this morning. And that he's calling us to grow up into him and into his likeness. But that first starts by accepting a relationship with Jesus. So if you're here in this room today and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to hear this today that you are loved by the God of the universe. That everything that you felt like separated you from God, he has forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Jesus took on our sins. He took on our mistakes, everything that would separate us. And he died on the cross so that we might have life eternal. And his word says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is and he did what he said he would, that you will be saved. And you can know him today as your personal savior, forgiven and set free from anything in your past. And you can know him today as the Lord of your life the one who's in charge, the one who has a plan and a purpose that he set before you. And if that's you today, when I count to three, I would like you to raise your hand, not to call you out, but because I wanna be able to pray over you this morning. Because I believe it's important, this is the first step in a journey a lifelong journey as a disciple of Jesus. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand today if you want to choose to accept Jesus as your personal Savior? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray right now for every hand raised. God, I pray that they would know your love and your grace and your mercy. God, we repent and we ask forgiveness for all of the things in our life and in our heart that has kept us from you. 
And we just ask that you would come close, that you would transform us from the inside out. I pray that you would encourage and strengthen and grow every single person in this room, but especially those who made that decision today to step into a relationship with you, that you would show yourself faithful to them, that you would encourage them, surround them with other believers who will help point them to you and build them up in Christ through your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.